0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Kinstead Wealth, where they give private investors access to the best asset class managers in the world. As a business owner who simply did not have the time nor the knowledge to manage my own financial assets, I was always on the hunt for a partner that would be able to give me access to something more than the stock market. Two years ago, I was introduced to Kinstead Wealth and my eyes were open to an entirely new set of possibilities. Their pension endowment style approach to portfolio management allowed a portion of my portfolio to be allocated to non-traditional assets such as private equity, private agriculture, private real estate, and private infrastructure, amongst others. This allowed me to have access to non-traditional assets that have return expectations superior to public stocks while having lower volatility. With these assets added to my traditional portfolio, I had the opportunity to enhance my returns and lower my volatility overall. You may be asking yourself, what do you mean by non-traditional assets? In short, these are institutional quality assets that are not promoted to the retail market, but to the pension endowment foundations and family offices due to the fact that their minimums are very high. By partnering with Kinstead as an investor, I was able to gain access to these financial vehicles that are typically out of reach for most people. To learn more about how Kinstead can help you and your family, please visit them today at www.kinstead.com. Instead, Wealth is a very proud member of our community and donates 1% of their top line revenue every year to the charitable sector. Hello and a Warm Collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Brent Smith. How are you doing, Brent? Doing great. Brent, Great. thanks for coming on the show this morning. I'm going to spare the audience even the moment's no- weight of what we're going to talk about. We're here to talk about money, <laughs> and we're going to talk about wealth, and we're going to talk about the future and all kinds of fun stuff. But before we get into that, so everybody knows why they're, why they're tuning in, you're the chief investment officer at Kinstead Wealth. So let's jump in the elevator. We got whatever, how many, however <laughs> many floors you need. What is, uh, what's, what's Kinstead Wealth all about, and uh, what's your role there?
1: well Kinstead wealth is a uh, it's a wealth counseling firm here in Calgary that that uh, manages money for a number of uh, you know private private individuals uh, not just in Calgary or Alberta we've got clients in you know pretty well across Canada um, what does my role what does a chief investment officer mean uh, basically I'm responsible for for managing the overall investment platform for Kinstead that's in a in a in in two floors that's pretty well it.
0: No, that was quick. We got, we got a bunch. Of, see, now you give me more floors to ask more questions. You said something that, you said a word that I really like that I don't always, a wealth ca- counseling firm. You didn't say wealth management or wealth planning or any of the words that often get bolted together. So maybe just give us a little bit, when you say counseling, that sounded very deliberate.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think counseling as, a per, as opposed to just portfolio management <clears throat> is, is, is counseling individuals. Right on their money. Um, what to do with their money? I, I think a big part of of um, uh, of managing an individual's money is is counseling. Um, mm. Just take a look at what's happening today. Mm. You know, with the volatility in the equity markets, I think counseling plays a big role. Handholding plays a big role in in, in making sure you know an individual is uh, is uh, you know not not. Doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. I mean, uh, you know, being in the industry for a long, for, for, for a number of years, I, I find that one of the areas where where individuals, especially if they don't have uh, anyone to to help them out, they they don't have an advisor or a wealth counselor, uh, uh, they tend to overreact to short term time. A short-term news, mm. and and do the wrong thing at the wrong time. And, and, you know, there's there's tons of statistics out there that shows that the especially in the U.S., the average investor, the average investor underperforms the S and P five hundred by by fifty uh, percent. Wow. They do half okay. as well <laughs> as the S and P five hundred. Why is that? Is because they tend to overreact to what's happening at the time, and you know, get out at the bottom and get back in at the top. And and so, you know, <laughs> handholding is a big, big part of what we do.
0: So it's almost like this new cycle that's designed to get our attention and cause us a sense of fear and anxiety, like trigger that, that lizard brain and money management don't go together. Is that, can I oversimplify by saying, you, yes, you know what
1: it, it, it's what's the term, uh, uh, fight or flight. And, yes. uh, <laughs> most people don't want to fight when they see the markets like this. They want, they want to, it's more that flight part of their brain that's that, uh, uh, getting them to do things.
0: And it's so interesting because, you know, being someone who's you know been into this over the years and uh, I'll be honest, always felt I should know more than I know that like, it's it's kind of like maybe we all think we're better drivers than we are, or, you know, we want to get in shape before we join the gym. I think there's a lot of things that fit into this category, maybe my own category. Let's not, let's, I won't lump everyone
1: else into my own journey.
0: I think always, we're all like
1: that. I yeah, think we're okay. all like that, to be honest with you, even professionals.
0: Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I, I want to ask the question: How you guys manage that? But let's let's park that for a second. Uh being in working with the public, like you have, like, I also find there's sometimes as an individual, like, you know, aside from the think that you should know more, there's always a feeling that's that everyone else has got it figured out and and you're struggling. So when you deal with clients around something like money, I guess how much of the conversation is just about leveling that playing field and getting me as a, as a customer into that lane of, okay, let's be rational about this. Let's build a plan. Let's really look at the future. And it sounds obvious when you say it, but when you bring people in back to that counseling word that you used how much of that is that first phase of getting people really comfortable with the long-term plan and getting them out of that flight or flight mode
1: yeah i think that's probably uh, luckily for me i've got the easiest job at kinstead i think the hardest job is being a wealth counselor okay so i I don't really have the direct um communication or, or or direct clients it it is uh, you know, I th- I think it's it's probably the most difficult job, mm. um, because I could tell you right now, given given the the volatility in the markets, our our wealth counselors are getting calls from from clients um, concerned about what's going on, and um, you know it, it's it's it, it it it's focusing back and, and saying, do you remember when we met a year ago or two years ago, mm. and 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 just. Taking them back to where that initial discussion was a year or two ago, or whenever they they joined, <clears throat> you know, there's no like I could tell a client right now. I could tell any investor right now. I could. I there's one thing I will guarantee you that the equity markets will be down thirty five to forty percent at some point in time. Guaranteed, it happens all of the time. And if you're not comfortable with that, then I think you have to really evaluate how much exposure you want to public equities, mm. right? Because, you know, if the markets are down 15% or 20% right now, there's there could be another 15 to 20% to go. I don't know. No one really knows that. And that's why when we build portfolios, you know, we, we incorporate that volatility, that equity volatility into, into someone's investment portfolio, knowing that Listen. If if you're not comfortable seeing your portfolio down, you know, twenty percent at some point or ten percent, then we really have to ratchet down that risky part. Of of, you know, or really, you know, if if you look at broadly uh, the capital markets and go, what's the most typically the most volatile? It's equities, right? So there's only one. There's only a couple of things that we can do to reduce. Portfolio volatility, and one of the one of those levers is is equities, right? If if you don't want if you have if you want next to no volatility in your portfolio, you you can have next to no no equity in your portfolio. Um, so, I'm not sure if I asked answered the cre- the question uh, properly, but um, yeah, what what's going on today? It, 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 it it's actually a great learning experience for for newer. Wealth advisors. um
0: okay. How much does it play it, also, if I'm 35 or I'm 65, as, a, yeah. as, as as an individual, you know, I don't want to state the obvious, but I would assume there's also some, some dynamics in terms of timeline and back to that elusive oh. concept of the future that we're talking about. How is the future 10 years away or is it 30 years away?
1: <laughs> you know. Someone who's 35 and is not going to touch their portfolio, you know, this is a very long-term investment. They they really should not care hmm. about what's happening today. Hmm. Uh, honestly, if you, I mean, you you could you take a when was uh, was there ever a probably maybe a 10-year, but is is there a a 15-year period, 20-year period, 30-year period where equities have been down? Absolutely not. No, you, you there, there is no period. So. But, but it's that 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 volatility day to day week to week we're experiencing and regardless if you say listen i'm not going to touch this portfolio for the next 30 years there's still panic that sets in you know because that, it, that it's fear, a very that emot- fear
0: and volatility index is a real thing mm-hmm. uh,
1: money is very uh, personal and and no one wants to see their portfolio down you know whatever it is 5 6 10 15% you know so it, it's um, well, fear, fear, uh, and, fear, and of then, loss,
0: fear of loss is more powerful than the, the potential of gain, right? So you go back to those psychology papers when uh, you read it. Uh, the study after study. I'm scared <clears throat> yeah. to lose a dollar more so than the potential to get $5. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's what they say yeah <laughs> until until the markets are up a hundred percent and they didn't participate so uh, F- fomo very- <laughs>
0: fomo is also a real thing <laughs>
1: yeah yeah, yeah it, it we, we we'll touch
0: on crypto before the end of this call, but we're not there
1: yet <laughs> yeah yeah um and then that sixty five year old um you know if if they're they still have a very long time horizon, to be quite honest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think anyone expects to, to pass away at, at the age of 70 these days, and yes. they're they probably going to 90. Well, if you're 65, you still have a really long time horizon. But you, you can't, your portfolio, you know, depending how much money you have, you, you, you can't, uh, most people can't tolerate a 15% or 10% um draw down on their portfolio. Well, at
0: that point you're still looking for for growth of ca- you're working for your principal to grow, but at the same time that's starting to become your revenue source. Like it's you save yeah. that money so that it becomes your quote-unquote new salary when you stop the day-to-day work. Like if you think about that transition.
1: Yeah. There's nobody, no, nobody wants to get a
0: 15% cut on their on their on their pay when they've built a lifestyle that requires that level of support.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's no more no new money going in there to yes. build it up. So so that's where someone 35 can tolerate some of that that volatility because there's probably the replenishing or adding to that over time while that sixty five-year-old couple is not so, um, you know, two different asset mixes, obviously.
0: Well, and that's part of, you know, I'll be fully transparent. I became a, a, a customer a client of, of Kinstead about a year ago. And I got exposed to you guys and I really liked what I saw around your investment platform. And, you know, so often as an investor, who's at the, still the, the, uh, the, the accumulating phase, you look at equities of like, well, that's the place I got to go. Cause I want to get some better returns. And as a, as an everyday retail investor, doing it on your own quote unquote that's often where you get limited to but what i liked about you guys and please let's let's <laughs> this is the infomercial part like let's lay it out talk to us tell me a little bit about and share with the audience your investment platform and how it gives a person like myself business owner focused on the future but not my I, I don't have time for this is not my main gig i'm too busy doing the rest of my life i need someone i can trust that investment platform is what to me made you guys stand out
1: a couple of reasons number one look at the capital market expectations what What are the expectations for various asset classes out there? And typically, you know, equities, you're looking at probably six and a half, maybe to seven on average. So that's what you can expect from the equity markets. Today, with fixed income, you're probably over the next several years, you will probably lose money in fixed income. So there's really no place to hide in traditional assets. So we looked at that, <clears throat> and then we looked at what the smart money does. And the smart, the smart money I consider would be pension plans and large endowments like you know Yale and Harvard. Um, uh, th- those type, that, that I, I, that's what I would consider smart money. And what have they been doing for decades? They've really diversified away from just the public markets. Right, they've, you know, you look at Harvard endowment; they probably have fifteen percent in equities, in public equities. The vast majority of their assets would be in in private equity and venture capital. So you look at the smart money, and you're going, God, you know, why, why is it, why is no one else doing it in Canada, or very, very few firms are offering their their private clients access. Um, to, to asset classes outside of the public markets. And, you know, we, we so that's what we started doing about two and a half years ago. We, we really <clears throat> revamped our, our investment platform to embrace the non-public markets. Because not only do they add um, diversification benefits, but we do believe over time they will not only reduce a portfolio's volatility but they will also enhance returns. And I know it's, it's, it's kind of weird when I say, well, how can you enhance return? Aren't equity the only game in town? Isn't public equities the only way? If, if I'm a growth investor, isn't it just equities? And my answer is no, absolutely not. You know, I, I, just, just for example, BlackRock came out with their capital market assumptions for various periods from five to 30 years, the number one asset class is uh, private equity their expected return is 18 percent. compare that to the s p 500 of six percent almost a triple almost a triple so you know no you can get growth outside of public markets even private lending or private debt is expected to have a greater or better return than the public equity markets Targeting something like nine percent on public public debt, so there's a lot of of um, asset classes outside of the public markets, um, and, and I can you know infrastructure, private infrastructure, private real estate, um, agriculture. Most of these asset classes I just touched on probably offer over the next for for, for a lo- long period of time superior rates of returns than public equities with much lower volatility. And so, you know, after looking at these, it's like, okay, but how do you, how do you get access to these? How mm. do you, they're, they're just not. To, just to
0: clarify a little bit what, what's, what rolls up under private equity versus what rolls up under venture capital? You, you said public lending, but just to give yeah. the audience a really understanding of like what assets, like what yeah. real, real life things are we actually talking about?
1: Yeah. Private, private equity, you know, years ago, I used to think, ah, private equity is private equity, right? It's, it, doesn't but no the the, the people the, uh, the the experts look at private equity a, a, and 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 venture capital as two very distinct, distinct asset classes. Private equity would be um, firms what they would call buyouts, where you know um, a private. I'll I'll give you a perfect example of one. Uh, one of our holdings is called. Uh, it's it's through a BlackRock private equity fund. It's called uh, Authentic Brands Group.
0: Okay.
1: Most people may have never have heard of Authentic Brands Group, but they they own um, they own all of these brands like Jones New York, uh, Sports Illustrated. Uh, I can go on and on. They they, they own dozens of, of these brands. That is being taken out. Like this is a, a, a multi billion dollar firm. Mm -hmm. Right. So this is a very large firm. So private equity would be considered, you know, being taking over a multi billion dollar firm or a billion dollar firm. Venture capital, on the other hand, is um, a lot of startups, um, great ideas, uh, you know. Tesla was was probably a venture capital firm at some point. It was a great idea, you know. Um, we're going to help fund it. So venture capital tends to be, um, I, I would say, probably out of every ten companies in venture capital, three of them actually probably you know, uh, make something of it. Uh, well, and the, term, of the
0: term low volatility and startup don't go together that well. So I'm going to, I was going to, you, you're beating me to my question of like, but I'm assuming it's because obviously they're taking 10 and three are going to the yeah, moon yeah. and the other seven yeah. are disappearing. Yeah.
1: Venture capital would be on the highest part of the risk spectrum. Okay. Private equity. Um, think about, you know, here's, here's a great example. Um, maybe Apple would be a great candidate to just, Take themselves private,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right? Um, You know, they they would be considered a private equity fund or a private equity company if they actually took themselves private. So, very, very, two very distinct asset classes. One of them is much, much higher on the risk spectrum, um, but the payoff on a lot of these can be pretty substantial, Mm -hmm. right? Airbnb was a venture capital company was funded with about a um, uh, probably about a million dollars. It's a multi-billion dollar business today. DoorDash was a venture capital company uh, with great idea that was funded. Um, so that that's an example where, where private equity is, is an existing business um, that that a private equity company comes in. Takes it over and thinks we can take you from a billion dollars in revenue to two billion, to five billion, to ten billion. Okay,
0: and most importantly, is the average retail investor does not get to play in this space at all.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, not at all. And, and private, and just to finish off on, on private lending or private debt, most people are familiar with 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 bonds. Um, private private um, lending or, or or private debt is basically one company. Lending—that's that, uh, you know. Take a—I'll—I'll I'll use Morgan Stanley. We invest in Morgan Stanley's private lending fund. Uh, you know, it's a billion-dollar or two-billion-dollar fund that then goes and lends capital. To typically private firms that need that need some kind of uh, uh, some kind of um, financing, so it's it's right, and these are debt letter- finan- This is
0: debt financing, not equity financing. That's the exactly. difference between yep. what private yep. equity does and venture cap, where they take a piece. They do- this is purely a debt model that's not your traditional quote unquote banking system.
1: Yeah, yeah, actually, the banks, many of the banks, during the fi- uh, just after the financial crisis many of the banks got out of that, that yeah. lending space, and it it, it it created a vacuum where all of these other uh, firms got in, in into the space. And, and it, it's an asset class that, that has been doing exceptionally well. So on the one hand, you're probably going to do quite well in private lending, but if you're investing in your traditional corporate bonds, government bonds, you're probably going to lose money here over the next several years due to in, uh Rising rates and inflation.
0: <laughs> we had what a seven percent inflation last month in the U.S. Or <laughs>
1: in the U.S. <laughs> when yeah, you hear yeah.
0: six point five to seven percent return on my money in equities as an average, and then I hear a seven percent inflation rate, well, it doesn't doesn't take much math to to end up with a with a net negative on your on your portfolio. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah, your real rate of return on on fixed income is you know even I, I haven't checked the past day or two, but I know year to date the Canadian government uh, the Canadian broad. Fixed income market, I believe, was down about 3.3% in about the first 15 days of the, of, of, of mm-hmm. the month. And, and most, unfortunately, most investors don't realize that you can lose money on fixed income. And, and that's what's going to happen. So there, there truly is no, you know, in the past, it, when equities were down, it, it, you tended to get, you know, the fixed income part of your portfolio would help moderate some of that downside. Mm-hmm. And today, that's just not happening it's just not going to happen
0: which is where so if we talk about the volatility in the markets and you know there's a 30 to 40% correction that will happen we don't know when but when you look at these longer term private equity venture capital and even private lending environments are, how insulated are they from the roller coaster of what is the public markets that we all watch with we got apps on our phones and we watch the news and it causes more stress than it causes education in my in my view but how insulated are these these other group of assets uh, you know against that type of volatility mm.
1: Uh, they're. I'm not going to say they're not they're insulated a hundred percent, especially on on the say private equity venture capital side. Okay. Uh, but I would say that most most asset classes, for example, you know private infrastructure, and I'm not talking about a Canada pipeline or something like that, uh, but private infra- infrastructure, uh, agriculture and timberland, um, private. Um, real estate. I, I would because you know it, those what we are what we would consider uh, real assets, and one of the reasons we really like real assets is there there's a strong correlation to rising inflation. As inflation accelerates, these assets actually do quite well. Mm-hmm. So y- you have to actually separate um, the stock market from the the broad economy. You know, one okay. of the reasons we're, yeah. we're seeing, one of the reasons we're seeing a lot of volatility in the markets is due to, you know, uh, not just the Fed but most central banks starting to look uh, looking to gradually raise interest rates to combat inflation. Um, and and so because y- 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 when you think about that, why would any central bank raise interest rates. Is it because the economy is soft? Of course not. It's due to a strong economy and it's due to, to accelerating inflation. So when you look at something like, um, like an infrastructure, uh, uh, some kind of infrastructure project that you might invest in that, that does gas transmission or, or data, they are not impacted by the stock market right they're impacted actually by is the economy still doing well absolutely, right? So you know I was talking to someone in the office the other day, think about core infrastructure that provides e- or that provides essential services um, if that if that was a publicly traded stock, it would be down. It would be down just due to sentiment in the markets. But because it's private, it's not influenced by what's happening in the public markets. I, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, we, most of the infrastructure investments or funds that we invest in, they're targeting, uh, and it's they are targeting, not not what we're targeting. You know, on the very low end from a, a core infrastructure, essential services, they're ca- targeting probably a net eight percent. Now, you might think that's kind of boring. <laughs> well, I probably, you know, what do we think that equities are going to do over the ne- long term? Yeah, six six to seven percent with with a lot of volatility. Where on, on the infrastructure side, you know, these are tied to, a lot of these projects are tied to, to guaranteed contracts. You know, the, it's the, the one I just referenced. It's, you know, they're... they're it's about a five to six percent yield, two to three percent capital appreciation. So very, very low on the risk spectrum. Um, and then, and then we've got others that are targeting twelve to fourteen percent um, on, on on you know, which is a bit higher on on the risk spectrum. So we've got all kinds of different uh, different. Uh, just just from an infrastructure perspective
0: and your access to these is also because you're you're pooling funds you're taking mine and everyone else is bringing them together because most times the barrier to entry you know aside from just not knowing about these opportunities is these are large kind of minimum investment uh, opportunities correct
1: yeah yeah so the only and that's a great question the only way that we can provide our investors our clients with with exposure to these asset classes is through a pool structure, and the reason for that is the pool has to be the uh, the accredited investor. As you as you reference, most of the, the the vast majority of these investments, the minimum investment tends to be about ten million US and up. Mm-hmm. Some a bit lower, but but you know some we're looking at today are are the twenty million euro range. So. It, most investors, regardless of your net worth, even if you you know you're ex- very, very wealthy with fifty million dollars, you're probably not going to commit ten million <laughs> Ten million u s. to one one fund. So that's how we're able to um, to provide access to our clients with these w- what what we would consider our our institutional, quality investments Th- they're not they're not like this exempt market dealer stuff where it which is quasi retail this is really institutional um institutional funds that we're investing in i'll, I'll give you an, an example uh, of of one um you know it's it's a private equity fund that we invested in that, uh but two years ago through uh through Morgan Stanley we're the only wealth management or wealth counseling firm in Canada to have invested in this one uh one of the bigger investors was the investment management corp of Ontario and they've they invested a quarter billion dollars in the same fund so we we tend to invest alongside large um large pension plans um, so our, our, you know, literally, our our clients are invested alongside very large institutions like the, you know, Ontario Teachers and and so on.
0: So you're keeping yeah. good company.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think so.
0: As my brother-in-law says, go where the money is, because sooner or later you'll find it. Only ones in Canada has that been a barrier to get access to some of these funds being Canadian? I know you've spent some time down in the U.S. working down there. Just is yeah. that is the border any type of a barrier or like does that provide any re- reduced opportunities for you guys?
1: No. No, none, not at all. Okay. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff is is kind of relationship-based. It is, you know, relationships that you've built over the years. And do you, um, uh, not, not all, but some of them we've gotten access to, to, to some just astounding opportunities that it, um, more from a relationship perspective. Um, but others is, you know, as long as you've got the money. <laughs> um, you, <laughs> yes. you, you're able to get it. I, you know, I'll give you an example of one that we're, we haven't uh, we haven't committed yet, but we 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 are looking to do it. It's it's a firm out of um, headquartered out of uh, I think it's Singapore or Hong Kong. They're the largest. They are the largest manager or or sorry, builder of of um, uh, logistics real estate. In the Pan Asia uh, hmm. area, okay, and so I had a call with them probably about a month or two ago, <clears throat> and and um, you know one of the questions I always ask is, are you dealing with any other Canadian investors? And invariably it's no. Well, uh, pension plan, Sorry, my question is, do you, are you dealing with any other Canadian wealth management firms? And mm-hmm. invariably the the answer is no, and um, but turned out there if. If not the largest, one of their largest investors, who've been investing with them for years, is the Canadian Pension Plan. Hmm. And so, here's a strategy that we that that's you know targeting. I believe that they're saying they're targeting about 14% net return on this one, and the Canadian Pension Plans one of their largest investors. So I feel really comfortable investing in something that. That you know the, the the CPP is investing in as well. So we've got lots of examples of, of investment strategies like that 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 no other no other wealth management firm in Canada is, is providing their clients access to, which is really it's really unfortunate. <laughs> I I, I got to tell you, it it it's frustrating for me. You know when I when I all I see on tv is a quest trade commercial and and the focus is just on on fees and going you know fees shouldn't even be a a, 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 your first your first um thing that you look at to be honest with you one of the things that i look at is what is what you know what's your long Track or what are you investing? What are you doing? How long have you been doing this? What's your expect? What is your targeted rate of return, after fees? And and when when a net return when the expected, sorry, when a targeted net return is let's say twelve percent, that's after fees. That's what I focus on because I know that if you're investing in very very high quality institutional institutional quality investment strategies. There is a cost to access that, right? And so,
0: but your point—it's it, the wrong question to start with the fees. It's more the question to start with my targeted rate of return because that's really all that matters. If you get me twelve percent, I'm happy with it, and it was—and it cost me two or one or whatever the case may be. You're paying for that skill. You're paying for that access.
1: Yeah. Here's an example of one hmm. we invest with uh, in Morgan Stanley's um, infrastructure fund. You know, it's probably done. You know, I don't. know, 15%, 18% for us. It's it's still a relatively small holding for us right now. Um but their fees, if you if you committed uh, two hundred and fifty million dollars, I think their fee was about one point one percent. So most investors, you know, retail investors go one point one, man, that's a that's a lot. But you've got very large institutions going <clears throat> Yeah, I've committed a quarter billion dollars, and I think that 1.1 or 1.0 is 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 really well worth it. Where a lot of retail investors, they'll focus on the fee and go, "Wow, that's just too expensive." And I get it, I get it. If you're investing in ETFs, that's fine. Try to get the the lowest fee you can. Um, <clears throat> but when you're when you're looking at very high quality, institutional quality investment strategies, I, I think that sh- that shouldn't be up. The, you know, your prime, um, the, the, the main reason why you would not look at something.
0: I appreciate you giving perspective around it's not to not look at it, but understand it in the context of your looking. It's not the only variable or the only checkbox you need to look at because you might actually yeah. be limited, limiting yourself. Yeah, i curious. Exactly. You mentioned even ETS. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say this a little bit tongue in cheek just for the fun of it. But a lot of the stuff you talked about here was kind of boring, real estate, ag, you know, some blending. You didn't talk about crypto. You didn't talk about tech stocks. You didn't talk about (laughs) moonshots. I'm almost saying this. I can't even say this with a straight face, but like when you, when you follow the news and you, this FOMO, like, Oh, I'm missing out on the tech boom. Oh my geez. Everyone I know is missing out on. Well, if nobody's feeling like they're missing out on crypto right now, the last, the last 30 days have kind of kicked, kicked that FOMO. But what I'm hearing here is a lot of tried and true and steady things that we can like in a lot of cases, put your hands on, you know, that, that company you mentioned in Asia, that's the long you said infrastructure. Like these are building physical things that we need to function in the world. It sounds like it's not as sexy as some of the stuff the media leads us to believe we're going to get rich on or that we're missing out on. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'll touch on that. But, but you know, when I, when I, when I, when I talk about agriculture, most people will will probably say, well, you know, what is that? What does that mean? Is it canola, wheat, corn, and you know we invest with probably the three, two of two of the largest. They're number one and number two largest investors in agriculture in the world. It's a very fragmented industry, by the way. Okay. Um, but I'll, I'll give you examples of some of our from from an agriculture perspective. Just I'll throw a couple of uh, of things out here that we that our managers invest in, and not not invest in the actual owners of almonds. You know, um, John Hancock is one of the top five growers of almonds in the world. You've probably eaten some of their almonds. <laughs> um, <have>. Avocados, <laughs> lemons, apple orchards, cherries, cotton, uh, dairy, maple syrup. Um, so agriculture is not just, you know, your typical row crop. It, yeah. It's a very, very well diverse macadamia nuts. And anyone trying to buy macadamia nuts, you know how expensive those things are. Um, so agriculture, while it is a boring asset class, it's going to be... It, 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 over the past 30 years, agriculture has the best um, risk-adjusted... Or, or provided the best risk-adjusted return of any asset class in the world. So very low volatility, adds tons of diversification to a portfolio. So we like that. Um, you know... It, we invested with with um, in one fund where they bought alongside a consortium of, I think, Ontario Teachers, the uh, Singapore Sovereign Wealth Fund, a <clears throat> couple other very large institutions. They bought forty nine percent of Abu Dhabi's gas pipelines. You know, it's just a cash generator. You know, we like that, right? So, yeah, it could be boring. <laughs> um, but you know what? Um, equities are boring when they go up, but man, they're not boring when they're <laughs> when they're volatile. So uh, you when you're know, holding on would, to
0: your desk with your fingernails, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah. People would prefer that, that the, the 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 low volatility coming from ag- agriculture these days, as opposed to uh, in those high tech stocks. So.
0: And with so many retail, it feels like there's a rush of people. We have now have access at an unprecedented rate. Anyone can set up a Questrate account. Anybody can trade mm-hmm. on, the, on their own, which feels like we're kind of giving away the keys to the asylum a little bit, to our, to ourselves, uh, for sure. So, you know, from your do you see more of a trend with people realizing or are we just really getting going on the ability for the individual to really emotionally drive themselves kind of crazy chasing these things? Like it, it feels like we're going more towards that direction versus what you're talking about here, just because of access.
1: Yeah. I, I think, you know, with, with the lack of access to these other asset classes, I think individuals will continue to do it themselves and you know, history is, is not kind to those who do it <laughs> themselves. I mean, there, there are successful ones, but, but it, it's the fear and emotion that really gets in the way of, of people um, doing well. Uh, regardless who, who you are, I can guarantee you that there's people right now throwing in the towel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it, it happens whenever we see pretty significant um, volatility, um, usually at the wrong time. Um, but let, let me let me touch on on uh, you know not everything we invest in is boring though. Tyler. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. I do I you didn't know, want to
0: leave that as the brand either. I apologize. <laughs> okay,
1: you know we, we do we do um, have a, a pretty healthy exposure in one of our pools to SpaceX. I, I think SpaceX is a pretty cool company. Interesting. Um, you know it's it's a it's still a private company, um, and and actually here here's here's for you know, for, for your listeners to, to understand. And, and I, I try to, I do some webinars and I'm trying to get our, our clients to understand that with private equity and venture capital, you have to be, you have to be very patient. Okay. And, and the reason I say that is because private equity is not priced by the second, like the public markets. Mm-hmm. So take SpaceX, for example, <clears throat> you know, you, 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 You've probably read over the past year or two that you know SpaceX is getting all they're sending more rockets and the more of their satellites into space. They're 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 doing more stuff for 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 NASA. It they're it just it's growing, right? But you look at their their their, the price of their private private stock and go, well, just it 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 when does it change? Well, it's going to change. Typically there's two main reasons why the price is going to change. Number 1, it does a secondary capital raise. So, I'll give you an example. I think it um, uh I think it went its last price, its last capital raise was about $440. The price the shares, private shares at 440. Okay. Up 25% from uh from I think it's January. Uh it's January price, and we got in, I think, at about 220 Okay. So it's about 440 right? But let's say it doesn't do a capital raise for another two years, and it doesn't IPO, it doesn't go public. It's going to remain on our books at $440 a share.
0: As it continues to grow and add and, and As it add continues value. to
1: grow, right? Mm-hmm. So two things will reprice it. A secondary raise where it's raising more capital at maybe five hundred dollars a share, or it, it goes public. Those are the only two events. So you do have to have patience with private equity. We had one company hmm. th- in our on our uh, through a fund. It's a it was a Chinese um, alt, uh, Chinese artificial intelligence company. It was priced at three dollars. On our books, it probably changed a bit through a, a, a an additional capital raise, but for the most part, it didn't move for about a year year and a half. Then it went public just after Christmas, at at um, I think it was at three uh, at about six dollars. Or no, it went public at about can't remember the price, but it's up over a hundred percent now. But there was nothing, 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 and then all of a sudden it goes public and then it, it, it's repriced at you know some some of these go up 150 200% but it it doesn't it you're not going to see it day after day after day so most of our pools and you know it, within Kinstead we we most of our our assets are in pools to be able to provide our provide our clients with with access to these non public uh, public markets so you know outside of public equities that's day to day. Our public equities are going to move, no doubt about it. But most of our other pools, you're not going to see a lot of volatility, day to day. And and why is that? So private equity. Um, uh, well, but just most of our private inve- uh, our private holdings are priced on a quarterly basis. Quarterly basis. So. So. We, we still haven't gotten, for most of our private holdings, we haven't even gotten our December statements yet for them. That's going to come over the next probably four to five weeks. And then it'll be reflected in, in our um, in our pool. So uh, there, there tends to be a lag effect with private investments. And, and so while while we do look at our portfolios and and absolutely one hundred percent believe that that they will be less volatile and enhanced returns over over the longer term, you you can't look at them on a daily basis, especially when there's pretty well only one part of the portfolio that's 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 moving day to day, and. Um, yeah, so most of these private pools are priced on a quarterly ba- uh sorry, most of the private holdings are priced on a quarterly basis. So y- you kind of need that patience and and if you're you know, if 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 not looking if you don't look at your portfolio day to day, this is an absolute great kind of investment well the argument might be
0: that why would you and if you are understand what you're looking at it so much just comes down to knowledge and understanding right you can look at it every day yeah. but understand what you're looking at and what you should we yeah. get so conditioned to fight or flight fight or flight so yeah I've, I've yeah. joked on it a few times but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to uh, what's your what's your point of view on the whole crypto world I love uh, this is this is now Brentworth complete opinion what do you what do you think what do you see obviously it's been a bloodbath through the last little bit but that's the crypto yeah. You know, hold on for dear life is a real acronym in that world, which I think that's been put to the test for some Bitcoin owners here in the last few yeah. months.
1: Yeah, you know, I've read, <clears throat> I've read so many different opinions on crypto. <laughs> some of them, it's going to a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand. Other opinions, it's going to zero. Um, I I think it's going to be somewhere in between. I don't believe <laughs> it's, <laughs> I don't think it's going away. Okay. Um, um, all right. Yeah. The uh, fundamentals. There,
0: do Do we think that this this type of change and that what it represents to a lot of people to me feels like it's here to stay. I don't see this I, evaporating and disappearing. I can't see it. I,
1: I think I think the old timers. I'd consider myself an old timer, uh, but the old timers, <laughs> you know, can't get their heads around it. To be honest, I can't get my head around it either. But I I, I do believe it's here to stay.
0: Okay.
1: Um, people do view it as, as a store of value. I mean, it, it's highly correlated to the equity markets right now, so that's yes. why we've seen it so- sell off. Now, that said, um, we do have a pretty healthy exposure to Bitcoin in, okay. in, a, in a different way. Okay. So uh, we do have uh, um, uh, holding in a private company that is uh, launching their own crypto exchange okay they just happen to have a lot of a, a lot of uh, c- cryptocurrency and cash on their balance sheet <clears throat> Now you might go God there's so many of these these firms that they're launching their own crypto exchanges yep. but but I I would say that this one is is very 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 legitimate uh, the firm was backed by some. Uh, Very wealthy individuals, very smart investors like Peter Thiel, who backed, I think he was with PayPal. Mm The PayPal mafia, I think they call it. (laughs) Facebook, um, uh, Christian Angermeyer, Richard Lee out of of Hong Kong. Anyway, backed by some very, very sophisticated investors. Um, It should be going public hopefully this quarter.
0: Okay. All right. So this is imminent.
1: It, it's, yeah, they, they've been, it was launched by a firm um, called, um, geez, if I can remember the name. It, it, anyway, it, it's it's backed by a, by a, a firm um, that, that is very well known in, in, in its particular industry. They hired, it's called Bullish. That's That's the crypto exchange called Bullish they hired a CEO who used to be the CEO of the New York Stock Exchange. So I mean, I look at this and go, you know, if you're if you were the former former uh, CEO of the New York Stock Exchange, you probably have your pick of jobs. <laughs> yeah, I and, would and, imagine and, and, and that's a and, that's and, a resume and, that opens doors. And, yeah. yeah, and I I don't think he would particularly have taken this job if he thought that crypto was going going to zero. Anyway, to put this in perspective, Now, this was several months ago. They had as much cryptocurrency and cash on their balance sheet as the top 10 exchanges put together. So this is a very, very legitimate um, business. They've been um, testing their the exchange for the past year and a half. Um, and it's, it went live to some institutional investors and, and hopefully to, to, to in individuals now. So that's how we've gotten. Uh, I don't think I would, I don't think I would uh, necessarily invest in crypto. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, then, the,
0: the businesses around it is a different conversation. Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, if you believe that crypto is going to re is, is, is going to be viable, and you know, crypto exchanges make their money on trading, and, and mm-hmm. other. You know, this has got a pretty unique business model, um, and that's how they make their money. So, regardless if crypto goes up or down, um, they will continue to make money. So we're we're pretty excited about that investment.
0: Interesting. And I do appreciate the looking at an industry and say, well, maybe the actual thing itself, in this case, the token, we're not going to invest in because we who knows which token is going to win? Like the token, the crypto wars, that's a real thing. But yeah. no matter which one does, it's got to get traded somewhere. So do I, I do appreciate yep. the yep. backstopping is like, no, we're friends with all cryptos, whichever ones want to trade on our platform. <laughs> and I'm sure you guys will start with a base and then build up the amount of tokens. Because to be honest, there's a lot of garbage out there. I think, I don't know, I heard the term 70% of the altcoins that are out there are literally scams. You should, have, you oh. should go nowhere near them. <laughs>
1: Sure. Yeah, pr- you're, you're you're probably right. So, yeah, we're we're uh, I- in fact, I think we we have a pretty healthy <laughs> exposure to this to this particular okay, right. uh, company so some, some
0: quote-unquote I don't know, recall I don't know what's I apologize for the cool and uncool moniker that I sucked in suck in there but so the, that's pretty you know, cool though is that yes a- it is it is very cool that's good good, good answer right you surprised me I didn't think you were gonna pull you're pull that one out <laughs>
1: yeah I pulled that one right out of the hat
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you saved it well you strategically placed it for those who for those who've listened to us for this length of time and they've stuck <laughs> with us for 48 minutes they're gonna be like oh you guys put some uh, some easter eggs they kind of at the end of the show uh, so uh, I really appreciate you kind of giving a perspective of one, well, just talking about the emotions and the reality of kind of sometimes why we make bad investors as you know, humans inherently make bad investors because we're emotional decision makers. And that's yep. a reckless, you know, the emo- emotions are the bully in the decision, but yet they show up all, all the time. Understanding to have a plan, but I really appreciate you walking through. And it's only, been, I didn't realize that it was only the last couple of years that at Kinstead you guys stepped back and said, Hey, if we're going to be able to look at giving our, customers access to something better, something that we believe in. What I'm hearing is somewhere where we would put our money kind of kind of mindset. Absolutely. That you guys have constructed yep. this this platform. And as, as a customer, it's part of why I signed on, why I joined. I Again, but every time I have a conversation, I understand a little bit deeper and I kind of, I got it, but today you really broke it down to me. And I love the ability, who doesn't want to get access to something that you can't normally get access to because mm-hmm. of these reasons. Like that in itself is, you know, hey, what's behind door number two? I'm, in, I'm interested. Everyone gets door number one. I'm curious about door number two. So, for anybody who's looking interested, I assume I don't want to I don't want to lead, but I'm sure anybody can reach out, have a conversation with you guys. You guys have, yeah. and I don't know if you if something you want to put out there. Is there kind of a minimum threshold? Like, if I'm 20 years old and I'm wanting to invest my first hundred dollars, maybe this isn't the right approach. Like, who who kind of is your ideal customer, and who would you encourage to reach out?
1: Yeah, I you know I, we do have we do have minimums. Um, you know. I I it's I, I hate giving a number to be honest with you because every every person's situation could be different. You know, you can have a f- a 35-year-old with with $50,000 but they're mm-hmm. they just got their medical degree and they're adding $25,000 a month there, but Fair enough. you know, it, so it, it, it's but, more but, about but,
0: the path that you're on necessarily than where you are now is what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, you know, we do have minimums of course, like everyone out there says that, that we only deal with million dollar clients and up and, um, you know, sure. That's the, the Holy grail, but, uh, you know, if someone's got half a million dollars or two fifty, with a, a different situation that that is okay. looking to really grow their portfolio, yeah, give us a call. we would absolutely ha- happy to um, um, to meet with them.
0: I really appreciate and thanks for putting a number out there because I think a lot of times this is very elusive to a lot of people and a lot of my audience they're business people and they're already they already have their money managers or they're already invested but I know certainly the group that I hang out with we're always curious what else is mm. out there what am I missing what's the blind spot hey Brent what do you know about that I don't know about and that's mm-hmm. how I met John one of your founders uh, was exactly that in a presentation with a bunch of other business people and it was like oh hey this is a new version of an old story that I've heard before and I really like I really like that so I appreciate our audience ranges all up in down the scale. And I think for okay. for younger people looking to get involved, unfortunately, sometimes quest trade and crypto and doing your own trading sometimes feels like the only option. So that, that can be tough because it is a little bit prohibitive, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, that's where I, I really do. It, it. It's, I feel bad about, you know, we, we just can't, you know, because we are discretionary managers, mm-hmm. right? We, yes, we, you guys make the calls. Mm-hmm. We make the calls. So, you know, if we just can't, you know we can't deal with every individual yeah. um that that comes in we we just don't have the bandwidth i hate using that word uh we <laughs> just don't have the personnel to be able to handle you know each of our portfolio manager or wealth counselors you know the maximum that we'd want them to to work the maximum amount of clients we'd want them to have is let's call it 150 okay. um and and well, you think of that over a year period of time. That's a lot of. That's a lot of phone yes. calls. Yes, just call exactly. It, call it, call so it or
0: zoom or zoom calls these
1: days. Yeah. So if you, if it's fifty thousand dollars, you know, each of our guys is going to have a thousand clients, and they're just not going to be able to treat each client equally. So
0: mm-hmm. I appreciate yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, I, I, I you said it right out of the gate. The word counseling that showed up different for me. It has a different meaning. Just saying, you're a wealth manager. Yeah, you are that, but you're also this other thing and I think that makes a difference and is a uh, we need we you need a pick crew, you need a bunch of people in your corner and someone yeah. who's helping you manage your future and and making these giving you access to opportunities the, the, that you don't have is critical.
1: Mm. Yeah, let me just tell you the counseling part is 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 uh uh is in high use today, these days.
0: <laughs> yes, it is. I'm not even looking at that little <laughs> stock app I have on my don't, phone that's red from top to bottom right now. Don't. Yeah. Yeah, don't. I, I I'm sure the crypto world is, is equally getting thrashed right now. Oh, as, yeah, as I don't,
1: you know, unfortunately for me, because it's, every morning I wake up, I look at the futures market, and I go, should I get out of bed today? <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the reality is is that, I know you didn't ask me this question, but 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 you know a typical a typical balanced portfolio, a traditional balanced portfolio is sixty percent equity, forty percent fixed income, right? Yep. We, we've our k- kind of quote unquote balanced portfolio would probably have half of the public equity exposure, mm. right? Okay, and we don't okay. we 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 actually have zero fixed income, traditional fixed in income in our just because it, it's. It's going to lose your money. It's a net. It's so, a net
0: negative. And when you've yeah. given opportunities to less volatile, more secure, longer-term assets, to me, that feels like that's how you've subbed that out, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. you kept the
0: risk low, but Well, you're going from a net loser to a potential like two times sure. compared to the normal equity markets.
1: Well, I, I I think that if you if you just categorize, um, you know, infrastructure and and agriculture as as I don't want to call it fixed income, but a, but a quasi Mm -hmm. low, you know, income producing asset class, it's going to outperform fixed income, no doubt in my mind. Right. So we've, 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 we've basically gotten rid of, of traditional fixed income, replaced it with something that's going to be very low volatile. In fact, we'll do quite well in a rising inflationary environment. Um, And so it's going to outperform fixed income. And then we've taken down our our public equity exposure and we've increased our private equity and venture capital, which there's no doubt in my mind, over the long term, will do significantly better than public equities. So that's where I say, you know, we've enhanced, we're able to enhance returns and, and lower the volatility.
0: I appreciate Brent. Uh, okay, I got ten more questions, but we're pushing up at an hour. For anybody who's listening to this, it's is going to come out in in, in February. Not knowing whether because I you know, again I don't have a crystal ball, but it's January twenty fifth because we're making a lot of reference to today. This is going yeah, to come out probably about point. three three to four weeks from now. So if we look back in January twenty fifth was the day when there was blood in the streets, we'll know that Brent and I were talking about what what we we're actually talking about. This will probably come out in February. So god only knows what it's going to look like what it's going to look like then so that's no matter how much we talk we're not going to predict the future here brent we'll just do the best to mitigate
1: it <laughs> that's you know what the only control one has. we no one's got control over the equity markets we have control over the volatility of one's portfolio Mm, I appreciate that. That's,
0: that there's, that's a good mic drop moment right there. There you Br- go. <laughs> Brent, Brent Smith. Thank you. Chief investment officer at Kinstead, um, Kinstead.com.ca. What's Kinstead.com. You kinstead.com. Uh, with an ed, not an EAD. My computer always wants to put an EAD in my bunch of it. In. So Kinstead.com, check it out. And, uh, again, personally, uh, I really have enjoyed working with you guys and I've also loved our conversation and you really kind of peeled back some layers for me today, which I really appreciate. So Brent, thanks yeah. so much for your time.
1: Hey, great pleasure. Ho- hope, 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 Hopefully you can have me on again. Love Absolutely. I,
0: yeah, this might be a recurring Okay, Brent. Okay. You, you said this was going to happen. What went wrong?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Okay. Take care.